Gaming and BS episode 310, coming to you Monday, September 15th. Whoa, Wednesday, Wednesday, 16th. Oh, Wednesday. We're on Wednesday now. Wednesday, yeah. September 15th? Still the 16th. 16th? <laughs> yeah. Coming to you the second Wednesday of September 2020. We don't math for a weekday very well. Sorry, people. All right, welcome to Gaming and DBS Tabletop RPG Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's on board. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing fantastic, Brett. How are you? Not bad. We got the audio knocked out early for the show on Twitch, so that's good. We don't have any problems now. This is good. Very good. Everything is fine until somebody in the chat goes, can't hear Brett anymore. Son of a bitch. But you know how to- can't lost Sean. Oh. But, well, we'll be f- one of those is better than the other. Well, you can, you vote. Call in and vote that's, now. That's right. You decide. <laughs> you decide. <laughs> Get any gaming in, man, since we talked? So I gamed on Sunday with Hobbs and OSE, and he did a TPK. I think everybody died except one character. That's not a TPK then, dude. Total equals So it's all. not, yeah, that's true, I guess. As an um, mostly party killed. So we're going to play low fantasy because he thinks that maybe it's the style of play. Um, Hawk, Hawk's lost like five characters. So he's kind of like, maybe we need something that's a little more survivability. Oh. So we're going to do low fantasy and it's a, I don't know if he's going to join the chat, but uh, it's a setting. I don't know if it's pre-published, but it's kind of a a demi-plane setting, but it's done in- Is it the low fantasy one? I don't know. Okay. Well. It's not Midlands. It's not Midlands. Okay. Okay. Which is the default for low fantasy. Right. So it's something else. Um, Kind of takes in like an urban, kind of a, kind of an Avalon-ish feeling. All right. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Hobbs is running. There's a name to it. So to um, compensate for poor play, he's going to just change the game. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> kind of, I guess. Uh, all right. No, hey, what the hell, man? Yeah. And then Tuesday, which would be last night, mm-hmm. uh, Stars Without Number. How'd played, that go? Which is going going okay. It's going going okay. Going well. Crystal Crystal's GM in that. We're flying around the universe and trying to pay off our ship. Nice. And getting caught up with different things. So, yeah, it's fun. Good. I'm not I I I think it would be a lie if I said I was fully engaged. Um she is probably fully aware of that. I am engaged, but not like I'm not taking spotlight for okay. sure. Shocker. Yeah, I know. You like to sit a little bit, a little bit so, in the background. Well, it's all right, though. You know. You? Yeah, I got, um, last night was the Streets of Avalon game for my home crew. That went really well. Using the Pathfinder system there. They, um, it was a big goddamn brawl. They ran into, um, I pulled out an old critter that I remembered while sorting through an old monster, my Morkoth, which is this weird underwater maze Leviathan-y type of thing. Not really Leviathan, but... It's had different iterations through D and D, and um, I dropped the name as part of the uh, the one of the groups, one of the the peoples there, the bargemen, kind of as a mythology piece for them. And Alpha playing a bargeman ate ate that up. He's like, "Oh, this is a cool backstory." So he's eating up the the history there. And the rest of the group's like, "Do we know what a Morkoth is?" You know, kind of metagaming. Do we fucking? I don't even know what the hell that is. 
And I've also introduced some nasty little frogfish monster things. They have yet to figure out what they are, even though I've used some what I thought were pretty obvious clues. But I'm refusing to explain to them what the creatures are. So, because they continue to be terrified of them. They've died easily so far, but they do a lot of damage when they hit them, so they're really afraid. But they dealt with this um, evil cultist. Turned out to be the uh, head of the Temple of Poseidon. Is also was also this horrible evil cultist. So it was a big goddamn brawl. It was a big fight. Alpha made a mistake. He uh, had the had the ability to transform himself into a minor water elemental, and completely forgot he was fighting a guy who is an evil water cultist mage guy. <laughs> so. I just controlled him and had him try to beat the crap out of the rest of the party for a while. Which didn't work too well because apparently Alpha is a complete wuss when he's a water elemental. He couldn't he could not hurt the party at all. But it was a damn good time. Big brawl. Lots of fun. People running around through the maze trying to figure out where it was. Then finally dawned on somebody that wait a minute. Brett keeps saying that it's shifting and changing. Does that mean it's not the way I left it? Oh yes, there you go. The maze was changing on him. It was lots of illusions and craziness, so it was it was fun. They got their asses kicked. They lived, but barely. Yeah, it was good. Almost drowned them a couple times. It was all good. Other than that, not much, brother. That's about it. Um, let's see here. Oh, announcement-wise, we have virtual game hole con coming. That's gonna come up pretty rapidly here. Um, let's see. Registration, badges available, all that good stuff. Any other announcement-wise, Sean? Anything big going down? Nothing big going down that I can think of other than D&D Winter Fantasy, I think, is coming up. But that's, you know, I think they're doing a big Rime of the Frost Maiden spiel. So if you're participating, that's coming up in, I think, in October, if I'm not mistaken. So we can, we'll put a link in the uh, in the show notes to this as well. But Sean has been playing with uh, Foundry. Was that the... Foundry Virtual Tabletop. I may put out a video on how to RPG on how to use some of the things in Foundry. I'm fairly impressed. Yeah, you were saying it doesn't use layers, feels very intuitive. The macro creation is pretty cool. So I know we've had the mention on the show that this was a tool out there, but Sean's been digging into it more. So we'll put another link out there in case people want to take a look at it. But Sean was pretty impressed. And uh, in the age of more and more virtual gaming, you know, you find a decent platform that works for you. Why not, you know? It takes some muscle in the beginning. And then after it's in place for a game master to run a game, it is pretty easy. Easy. It is soup it is much, much easier and intuitive, in my opinion, than some of the others. But yeah, Bride of Cyclops Con is coming up too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So All right, right. man. Let's uh, let's random encounter. Let's random encounter, man. Random Encounter, a segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. We have two voicemails this week. Uh, first one is from Mr. Chris Shorb. Hey, Brett and Sean, calling in about your most recent uh, your most recent episode about sourcing the table. And I think sourcing the table is pretty awesome in certain situations if done in a very specific way. So first of all, never source a table for names. Unless you have somebody, some savant at your table who's really good at names, never source a table for names because people are not ready to come up with a name and they feel like names have power because names do have power. And then otherwise you're always going to get the name Bob. And so just don't source the table for names. It just brings people out of the moment. 
Um, second thing is I like to give the players agency over their own stuff, but not necessarily agency over the world. So, like, for an example is, hey, you come to this new town, um, you know, uh, Frodo, what does how what is it about the town that makes Frodo think the town is creepy? So what I've done there is I have said that the town is creepy because I own the town, but Frodo gets to say that it you know gets to say what it is about him that is creeped out about the town, and then he also gets to say some detail about the town that's not critical but now becomes true. And that is how I think sourcing the table should work. And it definitely doesn't work in games that have a GM through line, like um, a Wizards of the Coast Adventure Path. Uh, it will work for other situations, but I don't think um, a game that is a, an adventure path, you know, you're on the rails, baby. Uh, maybe you have the opportunity to make some decisions and things can go a little bit in different ways, but ultimately everything there has already been preset. I think that's all I got to say about sourcing the table. Uh, great topic, and, and, you know, as always, you guys are awesome. So take it easy. Bye. Nice. So we learned that a lot of people are named Bob. Yeah, or Bodie McBoatface. We, we talked about that last time. We Bodie McBoatface. Yeah. That. I don't know if I agree. I, I like the idea of not sourcing names because I'll tell you what, when you say, hey, give me a name, that, I'll t- I, from my experience, I think Chris is dead on, it, it, that, that will stonewall people. If you ask the question, why are you creeped out by this town? I love that. It's a leading question, right? I'm already giving you something. When was the last time you had a drink? When was the last time you had a flat tire? It indicate you had a thing happen. This is now, you know, those leading questions like that are cool. I think that's a really good way because it helps to, it takes some of the pressure off the person you're asking because you've led them with some really good data. They don't have to be absolutely 100% creative. They've got something to bounce off of. So I think that's pretty cool. Well, and what Chris is alluding to as well is that you're, you are posing a question to the player and the player character a little more, right? That seems to be more of an emphasis than, okay, you're going to go to a town far away. What's the name of the town? Or, or there's a bad person there. What's, you know, who, who is that bad person related to to you or whatever when it's more personal like when's the last time you took a drink yeah or hey you're going to the town called maestrict you've been coming into maestrict um is this somewhere your guy would have been you know because it's pretty within re- within you know he's a ranger he's been outside was he have been to maestrict before do you think no he stayed away from that town okay cool good to know i mean you know that type of piece right. i like that i think what chris is getting at when and chris you're not here for me to to hit with this directly, but when you say the the adventure paths, they do have a little bit more of the rail feel, right? Because they're written down the pre they're pre made adventures. I think you can change that stuff. You can you can change any name you want. It's your thing. It's your goddamn adventure. You can do whatever you want. However, I do what I want. Do what I want. There's more work involved potentially there, right? If you don't, because if you're going along and you change the name of the mayor, you change the name of the thing. You adjust the monster type if you go crazy with table sourcing and it's no longer a dragon but a bugbear chieftain. A lot of work to do, right? So, yeah, there's only, I don't want to say so much. If you want to stay true to the adventure as it's designed, as it's written, 
yeah, it, that could I could see where that would cause consternation, uproar, and a fuck ton of work for the poor game master to try to sort that sucker out. So I I buy that. I buy that from that angle. That makes sense to me. Thanks, Chris. Good stuff, though. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Who's up next? Shall we get? Let me get into Mr. Watkins. Hey, Mike Watkins again. Uh, I'm uh, Damon Kanan on the forums. Uh, I always feel weird, like, calling myself this uh, made-up name that's not my real name. But uh, so that's me on the forums. And uh, you're talking about having the players create stuff. Uh, and this is a rule inside of Burn Bright, which is uh, only on Roll20. And the adventures for it, uh, what is it called? A Burning Daylight. It's literally written into the adventure that uh, you go to a casino planet and your ship gets worked on. And then while you're there, you stay at a place. And one character comes up with uh, the name of the place, which is Boland's Day. Another player comes up with what they do there. Uh, and they have bowling, obviously. Uh, another one comes up with a key feature where your room and everything is made out of glass so you can see everything and you can see people bowling. And then I think the other one is, uh, you could come up with another thing like something to do there. Uh, somebody on their YouTube channel came up with, uh, there was a VR game called, I think, Bowl and Die. Uh, and of course they all died. Uh, and, but like, you don't have to do anything. Your players just make it all up. And it's not just names or names of places or names of people, but they actually come up with stuff. And as a DM who just has dice and a grocery list or some doodle pads that I'm drawing pictures of funny people uh, behind a DM screen, and I'm not actually, like, doing anything important back there. It's all just in my head. Uh that's really cool because I'm already doing that anyway. Uh, and then you let the players come up with it. So they're more invested in it. Uh, but I can see those certain DMs that have a game where they want to create every little thing and control everything, but it's not for everybody, but, uh, don't just let the players make up names of stuff. Let them make up stuff you do there. Like, Oh yeah, this tavern here. Uh, it's, you know, they have a, a, Beyblade tournament in the basement uh, that you can compete in. That kind of thing. Thanks. I like that, man. I think I think Mike, you've got some good points there. I think one of the pieces that you said there, which we which we try to say often, is it's not for everybody, right? And some folks really love the improv. I'll say improv theater. That's probably too strong, but that absolutely improvisational component of it. And if you get the right group. And they're just really singing together and everything's working really well. You've got a great opportunity to have some incredible improv moments like that to happen. And sometimes when it's happening, one of the coolest things a game master can do is step back and not and not get in the way, but just kind of tap it and help it along. And that's a that's a different type of skill. Um, it almost reminds me of running a large troubleshooting meeting for an IT team. There's there's a skill involved with letting really smart people be really, really smart, figure things out, go down the rat holes they need to come back and do things, and kind of where you tap it, you know, to keep people on target. 
the same type of thing from what I've been told by my friends who have either acted professionally or acted a lot just for funds, funsies, went to college for it type of thing. There's, you know, a, a really good director, a really good person in that, you know, kind of that game master role. You're just kind of on the outside. I'm saying tapping it like you're just waiting and then you're giving somebody just a little bit more momentum, just a little bit more to work with. Again, that that's a skill not everybody has, not everybody even wants to develop. And some tables are flat uncomfortable with it. But what Mike's talking about, I could definitely see that being a good time with the right group. I could have a blast doing that. That's that's really good stuff. So thank you, Mike. That was good. Yeah, thanks, too. Mike. Appreciate as it. always. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. All right. You can read. starting out with Edwin Nagy from Maine. Howdy, BNS. Talking about descriptions on demand uh, a couple episodes ago. Good episodes. Some thoughts on them from Maine. Men. Descriptions. Lots of ideas and discussions about jamming bring up for me the teacher training I've undergone and what works in the classroom. In this case, the parallels are obvious. Teachers ask students questions to keep them engaged and sometimes because they they don't know the answers. Some students don't like being asked questions for a variety of reasons. Some of the ways we reduce the threat level of the questions we ask, you covered. One big one that we do is think, pair, share. Here's a question. Think about it for a moment. Maybe write something down and then share it with your buddy. One of the important parts of this is giving people time before they have to answer. So maybe... You walk into the bar. I'm going to describe the bar, and when I'm done, maybe some of you can give me the name of the bartender and that kind of local drinks are on. Uh, what kind of local drinks are on the menu? You describe the bar. I'm going to grab a slice. Give me a minute. Okay. Anyone have a bartender name? This is too much to do often, but I think could be done effectively when to when to increase engagement. If this is going to be an important bar, it's worth getting their buy-in through their investment in time. Sean brought up a point that I felt like didn't quite get across that I think is worth considering. What? I didn't get a, I didn't get a point across? What? Right, just shut up, Sean. We got something to talk about here. Keep going. <laughs> I think Sean was trying to make a parallel to when sometimes you ask for a role and sometimes you don't. It leads players to focus on the times you do. Similarly, if sometimes you have a name and sometimes you source it from the table, it may actually have the reverse effect hoped for. Players may disengage from the NPCs with table source names or descriptions because they are obviously less important. I think an answer to this is for the GM to immediately and repeatedly over time bring this information back. This rewards the player that came up with it and makes the info important. That's a very good call out. I'll just jump in, Edwin. Thank you for calling it out. Yes, I do think Sean was trying to get that across. If I was too damn thick at the time to get it or didn't help him. But yeah, that's that's smart. That's very smart. Yeah. I, I totally get the parallel, Sean. Where if you call for if you if you only call for roles when it's the potential for death, you know, it's the <laughs> And if you always ask for names and they don't ever freaking matter, what's the point? Right? So totally get it. Keep going, keep going. Easy wins. I kept thinking as you were describing various ways. Okay, easy wins, different episode. I kept thinking as you were describing various ways to get around playing out fights that you were simply talking about different game systems. Some game systems have a barter system for success. Knights, Black Agents, how many points do you want to spend? Some games have random effects for success, mostly board games that I could think of. 
All these tools are valuable and can be used to set a mood, keep up pace, etc. But all risk kickback with players that like what they like and don't want chocolate in their peanut butter. Fair statement. If you have had many episodes that for me come to that and often you acknowledge it. Uh, are we playing BX, Fate, or PBTA? Why did we choose this system and do we like it? For my own gaming, I like to get my difference uh, more by playing different games than by mixing in bits of other games into what I'm playing. This allows my reality to be closer to my expectation, which makes me less cranky. <laughs> Too many words, Edwin. Edwin, I like these points, man. I, I think on the easy wins piece, and as you said, you know, it's it, it there's the risk of kickback, right? Some people don't want chocolate in their peanut butter. It's a, it's a thing. I've also talked about in the past, too, sometimes you get a group that they like the D20 system. They like GURPS. They like the Call of Cthulhu BRP. They like that thing um, for whatever reason. They don't mind some other stuff being added into it, right? They don't mind the sugar cookie with sprinkles. They're fine with that or throwing peanuts on it or whatever it is that you're doing. So, yeah, I, I do get that. And I think that what you talk about, you know, getting the difference of gameplay by playing different games is an absolutely legitimate way to go about it. That's totally cool. And that's where I think a lot of people they say, oh, just play a different game. Oh, you should try this other game. I think what people are doing generally are not trying to tell anyone, if I put the best spin on it, that, hey, Brett, your game sucks. PBTA is so much better. What they're saying is the type of thing you're describing, this game actually enforces hey, you should try that and see if it actually does what you want it to do type of thing. So I appreciate that. Sean, what do you think, man? That was good stuff. Edwin's full of gold. Always. Spitting gold. Spitting down. I wish I could reach, reach into his mouth and pull some out. That seems, that seems uh, very off. Well, if I hold him down, you get the pliers. All right. So thank you, Edwin. Rory commented. Thanks, Edwin. <laughs> Rory commented. Rory. On descriptions on demand. Most of the questions that the Alexandrian posted in his article are horrible examples. <laughs> we referenced an article about uh, descriptions on demand by the Alexandrian, which is what Rory's yes. commenting on. Anyway, I play to explore and discover the mysteries of the world I'm playing in. I want to find out what the mayor's secret is and figure out a way to stop it. If I find a secret dire and, and the DM says, okay, tell me what you found there, it takes me out of the game as a player. Cuts the legs off from under the whole process. The situation... Uh, can work when a player is discussing his backstory. Throngar the Mighty comes from the swamp town of Madison. I think the following are reasonable things for the DM to say, ask during play. What did your father do in Madison? You grew up there. How much? How do the town folk who grew up with feel about generic war 10 years past? What are your uncle's names and occupation? Questions that are about the player's character are acceptable to me. I'd rather backstory came out in play rather than from an eight-page sheet. Why did you ch um, why did you chase down that goblin to stomp his body into a pulp? Goblin burns my goblins burned my neighbor farm as a kid and killed my dog. I'd rather get that made up on the spot. It's personal to the character. Also, Brett, asking the players who grew up in the neighborhood to describe the perceived relationship an NPC has to other players is cool, but actually define the NPC and co-create the world? Eh, no. We're not co-writing a book, nor are the players DMing. We're playing an RPG. My contribution is what my character does and says. Same with the other players. Frankly, Brett, if I write your table, I'd rather you ask me for 10 NPC names, jobs via email before the game, if that's something you know you're bad at. 
Having it come up during game would take me out of the game. It surely is a discussion about who has seen the last episode of The Witcher or whatever sports ball team played last night. My two cents. Sorry for late reply. Lori. Uh, Rory. Sorry. Rory, no worries in a late reply, man. I think this is a great comment here because this is stressing one, one of the things I hoped that Sean and I tried to get across is that it's not for everybody. And honestly, I think the Alexandrian, his comment of it's bad type of thing or it's a terrible idea, just not... It's obviously not true. Some people dig this stuff, as we've heard from other people who've written in, and we talked about. Some people, this is fucking gold, man. This is spitting diamonds. They love this shit. It's not your thing, and that's totally legit. And I think it's one of those pieces when we talk about how you like to game, what you enjoy, the more refined your taste gets or the more refined your ability to provide examples of what you like and don't like. This is a thing I think that it's worth bringing up to the players and game masters like, hey, I don't like doing that. You know, somebody else might say, oh, I don't mind it. And you might say, you know what? That's cool. As long as Sean does, I just don't ask me because it's not my bag type of thing. So I like the comment, Roy. This is good stuff. Sean, any comments on this? No. No? You good? Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Rory. Thanks, man. All right. Roger Braslett gets back to us on descriptions on demand. Speaking of late replies, you guys covered the subject perfectly. I don't know about that. And you know me well enough to speak for me anytime. <laughs> it was Roger's topic after all. So It was, yeah. Here's the thing. When I'm sitting down at your table, especially for the first time, I don't know your world. I don't know your tropes. I don't know your rails. Is my idea totally off track with your world? A blank slate is intimidating, and it, who even knows where to start? Uh, on the other hand, when I'm thrust in this situation as a GM, I know my world. I know my local personalities. I know how to keep things in my comfort zone. I can go on with too much detail on demand. Thanks for this episode. Roger, no worries, man. I love the simple statement, keep things in my comfort zone. I think there are times when we could say, oh, get out of your comfort zone, man. Try, try. And that's fine. We can try stuff, and it's also totally fine to try a thing in gaming and say, I don't like that. You know, it's totally what? legit. I've tried uh, I tried to play Dungeon World, and it's not my bag. I didn't have a lot of fun doing it. I mean, well, excuse me, I had fun with the players, the game system, meh. I played Fate Accelerated, meh. Wasn't that thrilled with it. Now, granted, I only played like Fate Accelerated once. You know, and uh, Tom Flanagan from Nights of the Night, and he he ran it, and he said, well, you didn't seem like you had a lot of fun. I said, no, dude, I did. the system bothered me because I was just, it felt, felt like I was clunky with it. Like, I just didn't know what I was doing. I said, really out of my comfort zone, I'd like to try it again to see if it takes, right? Because sometimes you, you know, try to ride a bike, you fall over. I'll never learn how to do this. Eh, that's not true. You can, I could figure it out. But yeah, sometimes you might, you might try something. Oh, I just don't like that. I played 13th Age, had no fun with it. No desire to try it again. Totally fine. You don't, it doesn't make you a bad gamer to say, eh, I don't want to do that. Yeah, Sean thinks it does. <laughs> <laughs> Man, gaming. I'll tell you what, though, Sean. You need to ditch the uptightness in gaming. That's oh, totally. All say. The other piece that I really like that Roger mentioned is when he sits down at the table, especially for the first time, he doesn't know the world, doesn't know the tropes and so forth. That's true. I think even in an IP situation, Roger's a Warhammer first edition fan. So am I. So if we were to sit down and said, hey, we're going to play in Bretonia, and it's going to be in this place, blah, blah, blah. Roger might say, oh, wow, I know this stuff. Great. I start rolling into it, and he's like, oh, you changed that. 
This is different. Oh, your beastmen do this. The orcs are like that. Oh, it's it's within the realm of the IP, but you've tweaked it. You've turned it into something else. And Roger may well do the same to me. We're here to run a game for me. So I definitely see that piece. And it can be, I can also see, and probably this leads into a bit of our topic here. It sometimes takes a while for a group to figure out the tropes, the rails, the world enough so that they can feel very comfortable throwing something out there and not doing the accidental Bodie McBoat face fighter, McFighterton, you know, my, my guy's name is Stabby Stab them all. You know, if you're playing tune, maybe that's fucking hilarious, but you can get, you know what I'm saying? So I think, I think that's a piece of it. Sometimes it takes time to get in a groove with a group, with a group. So. That's good stuff, Roger. Thank you, man. Some of us don't have time, Brett. I ain't got time for that. Shall we move on? I'm on borrowed time, man. I'm middle-aged. <laughs> I got less in front of me than I do behind You're me. You're middle-aged riding a one-wheel. <laughs> yeah, you got less time than I do. Yeah, about Shall that. Shall we move on? Yeah, let's get to the main topic. All right. Oh! Brett. All right, you ready? What are we talking about this uh, week? This comes up for this comes up for a few different things. Sean and I have been kibitzing offline about different things that bug us and whatnot. I thought, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about dealing with different issues at the table, problems, problem players, different playing styles. We don't often talk about trust, um, how important trust is for a group, and so I wanted to talk about it. And I had um, there's a Matt Colville video. We have a link in the show notes called trust and earth elementals it comes uh, one of my favorite sayings comes from that it says oh no the earth elemental steps on your head to make sure you're dead just one of my favorite quotes this is why when, when i got into the first matt colville kickstarter i made sure i got that t-shirt <laughs> so it says that on the anyway like no he was <laughs> but you got to see the video where he's like wait a minute no, like I'm down. So, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase okay, real quick. So the, in the video, he's like, he's playing right. with his friend's older brother. <laughs> They're in a fight. An Earth Elemental smacks his character down. The round continues, and, and Matt says, oh, I guess I'm out of the fight for a while. Turn comes around. The Earth Elemental goes to attack him again. And he goes, wait, wait, wait. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm down. I'm out of the fight. Surely you mean to attack someone else. And the DM looks at him and goes, oh, no. Right. The Earth Elemental steps on your head to make sure you're dead. <laughs> Which is... Uh, oh, it just kills me. I don't know why. I just get so much fun. joy out of that. But so it's about trust is kind of the just the just behind all the bits and pieces. So Sean, I want to hit you with a gut check question. Uh oh. Let's uh, do you trust the group you're playing with right now? Do you trust your do you trust them? If I were to say, do you trust them? I Long pauses do... before being asked trust questions <laughs> are usually where, where's it's where's our psych to... where's our psych it's major? Hard. Give me give me a give me an Edward. Yeah, give me Nola. Nola. All right, Nola. Chat, I, I think this is a sign yeah. of avoidance or something. They'll be like based, based on, on Sean's reaction. Sean does not trust anybody. Beep. I do not. I think it's a little kooky. Well, you could trust your entire group, sure, but I think there's always one that you're kind of like. Eh. I would have to, and that's right now. It depends on what group you talk about. Ah, it depends. What All group right, you're so at? Uh, let's let Jeff's group. Do you trust? Do you trust? Do you trust them? I trust most of them, and the only reason I say most of them is because we do have a new person that's in the group that I've gamed with for a hot, okay, four hours one day. So their interaction with 
um, myself and, and him have been relatively limited. So uh, can I trust them? I don't think I c- And that's another thing, too. It's just a quick question, just a little gut check. Well, I know. Know. That's all. <laughs> I feel I have to justify no, you don't. myself. No, you don't. No, no you don't. We'll, we'll get into reasons and stuff in a bit here. So, Well, I'm saying that sometimes, though, people are inherently trusting. Yes. Right? They, they trust people until they give them a reason not to. And then there's people that are cynical of everybody until their trust is earned. I am in the former, where it's like I don't have a problem with a person until they give me a reason to kind of for me to have a that's usually my management style actually so, I do that with my teams yeah simple you know, thing I, I trust you to be professional until you prove to me you can't until yeah. you dick it all up so right? how about the other group yeah. uh, doctor group uh, is that the other one you play with trust those cats yeah uh, yeah uh, yeah I don't think there's a lot of they're they're uh, I think I can determine with relatively certainty, everybody's certain play styles and preferences. And therefore, based on knowing those and they're not whimsical, that I would, I, that I trust that their stuff is the, the same. Um, Got it. That, 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 right? That, that, it's that in the and consist- of itself. The, consist- the consistency helps the trust. Correct. You know, I don't get like, hey, I played this one character in this one campaign and now Sean's going to change a different campaign. I'm going to play I'm going to play an evil person cuz I just want to play evil. I'm sick of playing really goody paladin so I'm going to play evil and I'm just going to wreak havoc because I can. Yeah. Brian, I don't know if Brian still listens to the show or not. He was in our group. I'll call Brian out. I don't care. He's he comments on us every once in a while, but um Brian would every once in a while if you're playing like a factional based RPG, like the Zentrum and Forgotten Realms yep, yep. and shit like that, he would he he would align himself with a fra- a faction that is a little bit on the fringe. If not, okay, he's not a part of them, but he associates himself with them, and then that starts to create a weird dynamic with the rest of us who are like all on board with kind of being. The goodies, yeah. Or we're, whatever, we're trying to defeat are. the dragon cult. Well, hang on, hang on, man. The dragon cult's got yeah. beer. I like their beer, man. I bought them around last week. <laughs> yeah. So, so hit me back. Obviously, do I trust my crew? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you trust yeah, your absolutely. crew? What? Yep. Okay. Now you, now you game with those guys pretty intensely all the time since 1991. Like, yeah. And the other group. You would have, I would say, it would be like your kids. Right? Yeah, and I, right. well, they're my kids, so I trust them mostly. Right, <laughs> they're my kids. That means they're slightly deviant. No, I trust my kids. <laughs> no problems. <with> that. <laughs> so let's talk about what this means, right? So we say, hey, do you trust people, whatever? And one of the reasons I'm bringing this up before we get too much into it is it's kind of it's interesting to me. One of the one of the very common things uh, John Wick has said this, and I I've said this offhandedly before. Um, sometimes one of my gut reactions of, oh, I have this problem player. I'm like, what the fuck are you playing with him for? Kick him out of the group. And we've talked about how hard it is. We've talked about that stuff. And we've talked about people who are class- terrible cheaters. I've talked about classic cheaters I've had at my table over the years. And part of me is like, what the fuck are you playing with people? If, you, if they're cheating and you know they're untrustworthy in some way, shape, or form, why are they at your table for the love of God, right? Or if no one else is doing anything about it, why are you there? Why don't you leave, you know, type of thing. That's always, as we've said before, much easier said than done, depending on the situation you're in. Right. So 
let's talk about trust in the case of an RPG, right? So one of the reasons why I can stand outside of that and say, I trust my group is because we are friends outside of gaming, right? I have helped these guys move. I've been in their weddings. Um, my, my youngest son is named after one of my friends. Um, we, we've been at the birth of children. We've been through divorces, uh, uh, all this stuff we are in together as a crew. We've done all of this stuff together. When you shared life experience yes, beyond gaming. So we go hunting together. We go fishing together. We go camping together. We do all sorts of stuff. And because of that, it's a pretty, it's a tight friendship all around, you know? So if, if I roll into town at two in the morning and I've got a flat tire, I call beta up and like, dude, he's like, yeah, you're sleeping in my house. That's fine. Yeah. You know, th there's no questions asked. That is different, right? That, that's a different purview than perhaps people from just the RPG lens, right? So that's, I want to kind of look at it from an RPG lens. If I, if we can here, if that helps at all, because I think if you have, like, if you had Jeff, <clears throat> you've known Jeff for how long? 43 years. Yeah, if you call, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you call Jeff up and like, hey man, I got a flat tire. Can you help me out? He might be like, yeah, get, all right, give me a minute. You know, I don't know. Now, well, maybe yeah. Jeff would help. Me. I left Jeff hang out. I left Jeff uh, hung out to dry when we were younger. Oh, he's been waiting. That was, been that wait was he's that's been, a long he's time. He's been waiting ago. 35 years to get you back. He's, he's going to stab like, the Sean. He's going to get you eventually. He's waiting for you to be that really, one time, Sean? He's for you to get really yeah. low. Crash that one wheel one more time, motherfucker. That's it. You're bleeding. Anyway, let's talk about trust, what it means in a case of RPGs and RPG groups. So for me, I've got a list here. I'm going to bust through them and we'll talk through them as we get. Does, does Jeff trust Sean? Nola Burt. I, oh, I don't know about that. Poses. I don't know about that. Wow, that, that that is something to be brought up recently, actually, <laughs> Jeff. I would um, I would say that to answer that question back to my crew, I think I think the answer is yes because of the other reasons I talked about. We're friends forever, outside of work, blah blah blah. It's outside of work, yeah. <laughs> outside of outside of just gaming. But let's say you know trust within an RPG context. I think one of the pieces that we adhere to the agreed parameters. And what I say by that is like, look, we're going to play D&D. We're going to play Call of Cthulhu. Um, we've agreed that this is Session Zero stuff. We've agreed that this is X card worthy. We don't talk about, um, you know, and we don't endanger children. We don't talk rape. about rape. We do not talk right. about these things. Right. These are the parameters we have. We don't, I can trust <clears throat> that when I say I don't like that, that the group goes, okay. And they they deal, right? And that and that's it's dealt with appropriately. Everyone adheres to the agreements we've made right and in session zero you don't have to spell some of that stuff out yeah with with my group i mean it's it's you know what 91 to now what is that 30 years it's yeah it's kind of a like unless brett's gonna pivot and start talking about some crazy shit or you us off the deep end that that stuff's kind of understood like we play together because we're not gonna do we're not talking about rape and stuff like that in RPGs. It's you know. Yeah, we're not we're not here to you know push boundaries and edges. Yeah, be racist pricks and no, 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 no. This is nothing. This is nothing to do with what we do for fun. And I think, or in real life, for that yeah, absolutely, like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like RPGs, yeah, aside. RPGs aside, don't be an ass in real life. But uh, the the parameters piece, some of it is like you know, here to the session zero stuff. Give each other space. You know, hey, we're gonna pass the limelight around. We've agreed that we all want to. Um, do the de descriptions on demand. That's the thing we're all into. And, you know, uh, 
you know, agreeing to that stuff, adhering to it as best you can, being trustworthy in how you behave. And some of it is don't be a jerk at the table. That's another one. And we've talked about that before. That's, you know, don't be an ass. And sometimes that comes down to, you know, saying, hey, man, you're being a jerk or having those discussions and just being cognizant of things. That's something I like to trust at my table. I want to be able to sit down and know that the men and women I'm playing with are not going to be assholes about it. One of the reasons I like playing when we were um, doing the Wednesday evening thing with my Avalon actual play and stuff was... You know, Chris, Andy, Kevin, Tom, we all trusted each other. It was fine. No one was being a jerk. Everything was just working. We get together to play. We had a really good time, talk about this, blah, 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 and just have fun. That's one of the reasons I like I like hanging out with Sean is, you know, we get to be friends. You just, I trust him. It's probably a terrible idea. Probably going to be the death of me to trust you, but I do. Um, <clears throat> another one I think is, you know, be a good winner, good loser. Sometimes, you know, your character dies. You don't pitch a holy fit, throw your books out in the snow. Or as, uh, or, or as, or as uh, AJ did one time, uh, break out. This is when he was much younger, break into a screaming, crying fit. I've, I've seen grown adults get like sulky and pissy and like throw dice. You know, that's, you, you behave in such a way. It's that, that jerk attitude. Or if you're, or if you're winning as, as winning, quote unquote, as the game master for pummeling the shit out of people, you don't rub it in and vice versa and so on. In your face, Sean Bo. That's a different scenario. <laughs> yeah, that is different. <laughs> um, I think you need to believe and be convinced that there's no adversarial activity on either side of the screen. Right? No one, and this is a key for me. When I do something to the to the group, right? So they're in Avalon, they're in Call of Cthulhu, whatever. They try something that they're pretty damn sure should work, and like it doesn't function. Oh my god, this doesn't work. I don't get an argument. The laws of physics, Brett, demand that blah, 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 blah. That is absolute horseshit. The spell has worked this way since time immemorial. How dare you fucking Bigby's hand does this, this, and this. When I tell them it doesn't work, they go, that's weird. Shouldn't it work? And I say, yes, it should. You don't know why right now. You obviously don't have the details. You could try to make a die roll. However we answer that. But there is trust that I am not actively fucking them over for the sake of fucking them over. I'm not doing something for no reason. There's no capriciousness. There's n I'm not acting adversarially, as we tried to talk about a number uh, number episodes back about being adversarial. I also trust that when players show up, when we've set the parameters, we've talked about stuff, they're making characters that fit, that work, that work within the system, however it is that we have. No one is cheating. That, you know, we're all going to fuck up on a die roll. I can't do math. If you've ever played with me long enough, we all know Brett sucks at math, especially big numbers like anything over five i'm not good at this again so you know what to expect when brett makes his rpg <laughs> ladies exactly. and gentlemen i'm gonna have alpha uh uh check it out for me because he's good at math <laughs> it's a coin flip and even then i'm not that good at it um but anyway so it, we all make mistakes and that's fine you know but there's no i'm not worried that i have a colossal cheat at my group who's always undermining always looking to get something you know i i, I don't worry about that stuff so, Sean, is there anything else when you when you think about an RPG table that you trust or that you would like to trust? Any other descriptors or things that you think about when you say, hey, I, I can trust this group because... Stunned silence. You're still, you're still stuck on yeah. trusting players. I know, that's, I know it's hard for you, <laughs> but try it. I, I think it's a matter of... Uh, it's, it's a weird dynamic... 
more so nowadays, and I don't know why, and I think I've brought this up before with mm-hmm. you, Brett. Yeah. Where it's somewhere along the lines, even with older games or starting out earlier in gaming where rulings over rules and things of that nature, and there was very little for the players to, to lean on, right? They, they didn't have a lot of skills. You wanted to do something, you tried it. If you described it and it made sense that the the GM would say, okay, sounds good. You find it. Or, yeah, you realize there's a a, a gel, uh, whatever, goop jelly at the top of the door that's going to drop well, on your so, head. So to use, like, to use like the D&D parlance, right? We didn't have a DC check. Not everything Correct. was assigned difficulty, and if you roll it, you win. So there's been this very, and I say this because I don't know, I can't say for sure. I can't put my finger completely on the fact that this has anything to do with it. But my interpretation is that for whatever reason, there seems to be sometimes in in some games in a players versus the GM and vice versa. Like the GMs are not innocent in all this. Me? Even, no, even me, I, I don't buy it, Sean. I don't buy it you. I don't buy huh? you. Any, other people maybe, but I don't. Sean P. Kelly, I don't think so. I know. I know it's I know, man. I know. But, you know, for example, the game group, Jeff's game group, I was talking about something. I'm like, oh, hey, Foundry. I imported all the stuff for Chris Estrade from B, uh, D&D Beyond, including maps, uh, tre- you know, treasures, items. Sweet. Monsters. Like, and I was like, and monsters. He, he. Yeah, right? yeah. So, as a game master, should I have said that? Should I have, like, tongue-in-cheeked, you know, hee-hee, monsters, hey, you know, I'm going to have monsters attack you. I would have. Yeah, it's fun. It is fun. I enjoy it, but... Did someone take umbrage? No. No? Nobody nobody took umbrage, and I think they kind of laugh, and they they blow it off, but at the same time, there is that, hey, I'm going to throw monsters at you, where if I was truly somewhat impartial or neutral, I'd be like, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, then you're very stoic and very, like, Hey, I'm going to do, I got the maps, I got the monsters, I got the tokens, everything's going to be cool. All right. So is everybody cool? And then as you describe rooms or you describe the the baddie and you act through the baddie, it's a very GM centric place. Whereas you, you know, Jeff and I razz each other all the time. Right. And I'm going to go, I'm going to, I, you know, Hey Jeff, make up five characters, like just for the hell of it, just in case. Right. Some of those things may be taken in jest, but at the same time, could it be? And so having said that, then you get into this weird dynamic because then it's a matter of, well, okay, is any, is any of what Sean, is he like, is he kidding? Or is there a little bit of seriousness? Like, is he really kind of like, it's got to come from somewhere, right? Maybe. So then all of a sudden you get into this weird dynamic and that's where I think sometimes trust will start not breaking down entirely, but then it's like, well, oh, come on, man. Come on. One more guy comes out of the doorway. Come on. I have had, I have had periodically, I'll get the, you do realize we're first level, right? I'm like, yes, I do, but you're tough. Like, ah, Christ. Uh, I will get that periodically, but it's always been a, Okay, there's got it there. I shouldn't. How do I do this? So that's always fun to do. Raz each other back and forth. Really? We're only first level, Brett, you Duke. 
You know, you dumbass douchebag. What are you fucking doing to me? You know, but because I've known this group for so long, it's very easy. They, I'm like, trust me, it's cool. That's cool. It's cool. Trust me. You got it. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. I don't. I've hit a point with that, with my home game group that I can say stuff. And I think when I have, um, when I played with uh, the Wednesday evening crew, I could pull stuff out and they'd be like, wow, that's great. Oh my God. I wonder what's going to happen. Oh my God. Holy shit. What's that? Um, I played with you, Wayne and uh, Papa Swick. And um, last time Joe was in town and I could, I threw crazy shit and we had fun and we did different things. And I, there was, it was, we all trusted each other. No one was, no one assumed if I cackled with glee as the bad guy whacked the crap out of Sean's guy, like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Everyone who was in the moment, it was nothing personal. Some of that is the four of us have known each other for a number of years now, talk offline, you know, we hang out, we've done other things. But I think sometimes when you only gaming with certain group, with certain people, right, the rapport you have with them is always seen through the RPG lens, right? So depending how your personality is, what kind of sense of humor you have, and and so forth, if you don't have a lot of experience getting to know people and figuring some of that out, it can be di- it can be difficult. And you could inadvertently say, he, 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 I got a big monster for you. And some people are like, oh, fuck, great. Spent all this time in this backstory, fucking useless, because Sean's just going to kill us anyway. Brett's going to just fucking murder me. I can see that happening. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't think it is the ongoing theme. I don't think it's, and I think it's taken differently depending on who the individual is. Yep. Because I think so, and it depends on that relationship. So if I, if I was invited up to Brett's game in Wausau, then it's a matter of, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm an outsider, right? So to speak. And if Brett's, one of Brett's friends was running a game, and I know some of those guys, but I I don't know Mike as well as Brett. No, or obviously, Peter, yep, you know. Yep, yep. And so then I would come in, kind of reserved, try to feel out the table. But if I showed up in that dungeon master, and Lenny turned to me and said, "Oh man, you're in for a treat," right? And <laughs> you know, or uh, you might be you might be my twelfth victim. <laughs> Could like, be you. I'm. I'm like I got all these tick marks right here. See, you're right, Sean, number newbie, number twelve, right here. Then it, then it's gonna be. Then I'm like, I don't know if I can trust this guy as a game master. Like, is is something at the table being driven by an ulterior motive? Yeah, you know, is Lenny out to get get me? He's out to get me, or or is he just being tongue and cheek? Now Brett would say, ah, he's just messing with Sean. Right. He's not he's not really going to I mean, he'll probably bring a bad guy to the table, but he's a good enough game master that I know he's going to roll the dice. He's going to let it work, fall where they may. Mm-hmm. And so be it. He's not out to actually kill Sean's guy intentionally. Correct. Right. But however. Right. However. however yes. Yeah, I don't know that. And so that's that's a trust thing. There's, you know, but there's also like a lot of. I don't know. There's sometimes when, so for example, I run for patrons. Ran Mothership, running Delta Green now. Uh, some I've gamed with before. Hobbs is in one of them. Mm-hmm. I haven't, you know, Harrigan is. And I haven't played with Harrigan before. I don't know. Nope. No, you, haven't? Uh, Harrigan, I think, played with you and me in Tim Deshane's game. 
Oh, that's right. <clears throat> Astonishing okay. Swordsman, yep. Yep. So, but uh, Curtis Takahashi yep. played in Mothership. I haven't played with Curtis yes, before. Did. Astonishing Swordsman, Sorcerer, Cyberborea. Yes. The name yes. Of- <laughs> There's an ongoing theme here. Exactly. Sean can't remember. Which is why no one tries people- Sean, because just remember who you are. No, I'm kidding. I can't remember that's who right, you are. Keep yeah. going. So, anyways, my point is there's somebody that I'm playing with right now I've never played with before. And the, those those players I have found are kind of like, go, they, they arrive, they're going to play, they roll up a character, and they're just going to kind of go with it, right? So, they could ask me, they could say, hey, Sean, I need to understand, like, what the deal is. So, when I make my character, this is what mm-hmm. it's going to look like, right? Yes. Or, or they just kind of go, well, it's Sean's. It's not going to be a long campaign. It's a couple it's a couple sessions, and then it's going to be over. So, okay, sounds good. We're playing Mothership. Okay, session zero, we're going to create characters. Great. I create a character. I show up. I absorb it and go with it, which is which is great. You know, with <laughs> I'll bring up Jeff recently. I'm going to put Curse of Strahd and Eberron. Jeff is not a fan of that because he thinks I'm mixing Pulp Noir and Eberron, which he kind of equates to got a steampunky feeling or whatever. He doesn't like it, right? It's not a setting that sings to him at Jeff all. Doesn't, not his thing. Jeff doesn't mind. I don't think he minds Eberron. I think he minds the, Eberron the two together. and mixing gothic horror. Doesn't doesn't gel. Like, hey, if you ride Bram Stoker, there's not lightning rails, even though you could argue there's a train or whatever. But you know what I'm saying? There's just a weird mishmash that he, that is not his preference. And so we, if you've ever played Curse of Strahd... Spoiler, it you don't have to take it's not gonna like Barovia isn't it doesn't encumber incorporate like it's a demi plane of dread. You're for, somewhere else. Yeah, it doesn't bring in <laughs> Forgotten Realm stuff or Eberron no, stuff. You're in the demi plane. That's where yeah. you are. You yes. can set it in Dark Sun and then all of a sudden you're in Barovia. Like, okay, yeah, hey. It's fine. Yep. Sorry if I ruined it for you. So the the whole that piece. So when I when I talk to Jeff and I've known him for a long time, that part of trust is kind of like, dude, dude. Bring it down a notch. Trust that the game is going to be Curse of Strahd. I'm going to play and run it in the spirit of gothic horror. You know, there's going to be undead. There's going to be villagers. There's going to be the land of Barovia. You know, the stuff from I-6, right? I-6? I think so. Right? That's the original module, so, yeah. yeah. You know, the stuff we did back then, some of that might carry over, man. There might be some cameos. Yeah, there you go. From your old TV show, right? Just so Jeff, Jeff will like, he'll come down off that ledge because I know him and that's the way he rolls. Like I just call him up and go, dude, you're going bonkers all, for no but reason. there's also Stop. a trust comfort level that he has with you where he can do that and not say, eh, it doesn't sound like fun. I quit. Fair. Which is some people would. The fact that he is willing to come to you and say, right. I, I throw a yellow flag in the play. Don't like, I, I'm worried, concerned. You would then have a chance to react and say, hold tight, big guy. I got this. And I think, you know, when we talk about, you know, why the hell would you play with people you don't trust? Which is a thing that has been in the back of my head ever since I started playing and thinking about games and running in with different people and stuff. And pick up games, you're con- a con game, unless you get really lucky and everyone who shows up at the convention game are people you've played with before. You know, um, games with folks who aren't friends in quote unquote real life. You know, I I, I know a bunch of BSers and stuff, and we've we've talked uh, at different times at cons, talked about wives and kids and schools and jobs and all sorts of stuff. But sometimes you show up at a game and you're like, oh, I, 
you know, we don't hang out real life. We've never gone out to the bar together. I don't say, hey, let's go get dinner. Hey, you, you, you know, you've been to my house type of thing. There's lots of reasons why we play with people that aren't like intimate, close friends or within this wonderful little trust bubble we can put together. But I think sometimes we will, some of the tools to help build that trust is I think uh, is important because you can get there. You can get this, you can get us at the table, trust you and that you trust them. I think one of the things, Sean, is your reaction to Jeff, in my opinion, is solid because you let him blow up a little bit and said, hey, big guy, it's cool, man. We got this. Trust me, there's going to be this, this, and this. I have all intents and purposes to say I'm going to be over here. All intentions, we're going here. We're just going to start with this thing. It's going to be cool. Let's give it a shot. Which is great. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Instead of instead of just saying, fuck off. Right. You don't like it? Leave. You don't like it? Leave. Well, I do that too. But well, I know Jeff, Jeff will I never mean, take me yeah. seriously. Like, <laughs> exactly. what? Seriously? Like, yeah, well, Jeff, go seriously. screw yourself. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, you, man, you I was just kidding. I, uh, I'm willing to play. It's cool. You know? <laughs> All right, then. I've had, I have had my gr- my crew look at me and go, oh, geez, I just think, uh, I just want to play Call of Cthulhu right now. I'm like, hey, look, I got an idea. And that's okay. Let's let's see this out. Right. Well, if you don't want to play, that's fine, too. We're still friends. If you want to set this one out, that's totally cool, dude. Right. It's probably going to run for three, four months, and then we'll be back. Cool? Uh, I'll try it. Whatever. You did something for me. I'll try it for you. Do-do-do-do-do. The expectation discussion, we're talking about different tools, X cards, and so forth. I think part of it, frankly, is when you show up, is having a compromise approach, being willing to compromise and give it and have the give and take. Because it, when you show up at the table, one of the cool things I liked about I've only had the opportunity to run one game for patrons and I ran a nice Avalon game. Millibert was in there, a bunch of other folks were having a really good time. And there was there were some thoughts and ideas. I'm like, you know, I don't know. You know what? Let's go with it. Let's try this. And I, I work things a little bit different. I tweak things around and everyone was willing to compromise with me. So we had a hell of a good time. I had a lot of fun with that. I found that every convention game I'm at, that I have a really good convention time, the table also wants to compromise. You know, we'll be doing something. And um, I remember distinctly, I think Eileen and Jen were at the table and I was running, I was running Avalon game and we we're going and they had a really good idea and somebody else, one, another BSer was there and, and like spouted out something really cool. And Eileen's like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, hang on a second. Your idea is really good. I am sorry. And he just kind of went, nope, your, your idea is better than mine. I'm just being loud. And it was, it was like a, I think I know who simple, that was. you know, it, it could have been either way, both ideas from what I'm like, okay, but it was a place where he's like, you know what? I've had a lot. Let's, let's pass this over here because Eileen's got a really good idea here. Let's, let's go with that. What well, I don't need to, I don't need to jump in and have a whose idea is better discussion. Let's just compromise and let it go. You know? So that approach I think is huge. And if you approach a gaming table with kind of a compromise attitude, perhaps, and not like you're giving up on everything. There's certain things that are going to be like flat nose. Like, look, I don't want to deal with racism, rape, dead babies, that, 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 that. You have your shit. You're not just, you're just not going to deal with 100%. Do not give ground on those things. Do not. Don't do that. But when someone says, Hey, I want to make, you know, a, a Warforged ninja. And, uh, but he's been dropped in the Forgotten Realms. He also spent some time in Dragonlance. You're like, okay, hold, hold on, hold on. What exactly are you trying to do? Why are you trying to do it? Work with them, compromise, and and get people. And that person should then say, well, I, you know, I just I like this idea of being a crazy outlander, kind of like this type of blah, blah, blah. We can do that, but let's do it this way. Oh, cool, I'm in. 
that approach, I think, leads to better friendship at the table. And I think leads to having more trust. And the more trust you have, knowing that there's a compromise, and when the game master then comes up with this really crazy ass, really, Brett, we're only first level. Really? There's, there's 10 of them. You've built trust because you've already compromised. We helped you build your characters together. We helped do all this stuff. We're in this together. This isn't us against them. And I think by approaching it as a very much group activity, we're all here in charge of making sure all of us have a good time instead of just looking out for yourself type of thing. I think that really elevates the trust level of the game. Right? And sometimes it's as simple as um, is like as the game master would say, look, I run a deadly. I'm just going to tell you right now, life is cheap. And what I mean by that is zero hit points, you're dead. There's no negative 10. There's no con roll. There's no death save. Not this zero, saves. You know, zero is dead. Joe Manganiello, man, go, better call him up. Change yeah. his line. Change his, <laughs> change change line. his fashion line to something else that <laughs> yeah, death <yeah>. saves. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, somebody might be like, well, that's really not 5e. That's kind of, yeah, but that's just how I like to do it. Well, can we, and then again, come up with, you know, come up with something that everybody can live with, especially if you want to play with these folks, right? And I think that's the other piece is if you sit down to have to to play, you should approach it like, I want to be here. I want to be here. How do we make sure that we all have a good time together? And I know that may sound kind of corny or overly simplistic, but I have found the people that have not done well at, at tables I've been at, either as a player or a game master, are people who don't want to compromise. Look, I want to make a Warforged Ninja um, who's from the moon. And that's just what I want. Anything else is stupid. Like, dude, Really? This is what you got to do. Does this make sense, Sean? I'm not. I'm not trying to overly kind of kitchify this thing, but I think I think it matters. And I love the example, honestly, that you gave about Jeff. You he gets to go. Ah, Jesus! You go. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, don't get me wrong. You can have, I don't. I, no, I don't I, think it's wrong to voice your your uh, opinion or your preference. That is not what I'm getting at. Jeff got something to stand on, for sure. The only thing is, is it's, he stand- it's so cool that he did yeah. it though. Instead of just harboring this deep seated, right. this is fucking yeah. dumb. Yeah, he's going to show up know. with a chip on his shoulder every time we. Yeah, roll just dice. angry yeah. about it, yeah. right out of the gate. Yeah. So, which is great that he brought it forward. The thing is, is he's standing on the wrong rock. Like, dude, you're getting <laughs> you're getting upset about the wrong thing. Like that. This is it's not a factor in this particular instance. Like you're, it's not even it's founded but it's really not like you're not going to be in eberron for more than a freaking hot 10 minutes trust me the, the fact, i'm going the to zap you, you out of eberron pretty goddamn quick <laughs> but the fact is you got to say that to him right sure, you explained right. it like oh cool and he didn't like show all the cards in your hand he didn't wreck the campaign by laying that on him He's like hey man don't worry here's how this works oh cool he stewed on it for it, a while it, i know that fair enough but the fact that you've got players if they complain like, I don't know if I like, or I'm having a hard time accepting, or, you know, this this description on demand thing just really irks me because I don't mind if other people at the table like it, but I don't. Right. If you come up with a compromise approach and attitude, the game master and your fellow players would be like, oh, this person's coming in this vein. We want to, you know, do this. I'm not talking, again, I'm not talking about the X card worthy stuff. Right. When somebody's like, well, I just like playing, I just like talking about rape. But, fuck, yeah, dude, we, we, we had this discussion, right? We don't, again... There are certain things that are just, if they're flat out, they're flat out. You have a moral stance. Don't. That's not even what we're talking about here. I'm just talking about preferences and things, you know. Well, you know, I always fiddle with my dice. Well, dude, the thing is, you're always fiddling with your dice. And then whenever it's convenient, you always call, oh, 20. Right? Just don't do that. We don't want that at the table. You know, somebody thinks might think you're cheating. You know what? 
those are different conversations. Those can be hard. We all know, and probably all, everybody's been tempted at some point to fudge a die roll, to cheat, because it'd be cooler. Sean. What? <laughs> would never happen at my table, Brett. I don't know what you guys do up never, north, but... Never know. Well, it's I cold trust up there. We get, we get, my we players all right. to be on the level in that regard okay. all the time. All right. All, all the time. But I think, I think, um, and not every trust conversation is like trust fall. You know, it doesn't have to be this huge piece. We want to at least get to it. Maybe that's what you got to do. <laughs> trust falls at every game session. That's it. Come here. Trust. I'll catch you. I swear right, to God. Everybody, uh, soft start at 10 o'clock. Trust falls. Kicking, trust kicking falls. the campaign off yeah. at 11. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a small man. That's not, that's not necessarily good to do to certain people. Brett's going to go first. So we need everybody to show up on time. So we can oh, touch Brett. Catch the big. Polak before he hits his head on the ground. Um, where's I going? Do, 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 do. So I think it's not like if you, because quite frankly, honestly, if you're playing with people that you don't trust or acting untrustworthy, I think that is probably, and maybe I'm oversimplifying here, but I, I often get to when a problem player, a style issue, whatever, I hear, and sometimes I, I when I'm listening through, I'm hearing a note of, I don't trust him, her, this person, they don't, I don't believe they have this, you know, th there's, there's a trust factor in a lot of the problems. And sometimes the trust is, I don't think that if I explain this to them, that they would even listen to me. Mm. They don't trust that that person would even take criticism that I could even bring up a problem. Right. So again, I go back to the Jeff example, the fact that if he stood down for a while and he said, you know what, he trusts Sean enough, he's going to bring it up. That's cool. That's pretty cool because there are plenty of there are plenty of players who will stew on shit. A lot of people, I mean, people in general. That's what I do. Again, we're just just. <laughs> I do that. I stewed about Jeff being pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he all pissed off about Eberron? Fuck <laughs> up, Jeff. Jeez. Christ's sake, man. Anyway, does any of this make any sense, Sean? Does this? It does. It's a big deal, but it's all about this weird chemistry thing, you know. I was. Uh, it is. I mean, yeah. If you don't, I mean, at the end of the day, if you really, I think what I'd like to say, maybe this is stronger sounding, or maybe it's not strong enough. Is if you've got people you don't trust, you shouldn't play with them. Quite frankly, I mean, that's just. It, this is a lot of. This is time, effort, energy. A lot of fun you're putting into this as a major hobby. If it's as major hobby for you as it is for me, you've spent an obscene amount of money on this thing over the years. Or even if you're just getting into it, you're spending hours, hours, weekly thinking, plotting, planning, hoping for the next game, having a good time, reading stuff, pulling all this crap together. And to have it ruined, you know, to show up and say, wow, I, I just, I don't trust, I don't trust these guys. I don't trust this group of people. Or I don't trust these three people, whoever it is. That's, that sucks. That's a crappy way to have to game. It is, and I, I feel bad when I hear about folks that are like, I game with my friends, they only want to play d and I want to play other things, but I can't, you know, how do I get them to play d and I don't know if you can, you know, but I can't play with anybody else. Why not? Well, maybe there's a physical reason, like, you know, or yeah, I don't have internet, I don't play online, whatever. Um, yep, yep, yep. But it sucks to hear when people are kind of in a, backed into a corner. Like, oh, there's, I, I just, I've been so fortunate in gaming with so many good people. Now, not all of them are, they're all good people, but some just don't play in the same style. And so, you know, Jeff got, Jeff's character got blown up by a stun grenade because we have a drop in in one of our Star Wars games back in the Living Force days. And he just will not live that down forever. 
and some of the people that were at the table will never ever live it down and uh we just make fun of them all the time about it like i put a stun grenade right here and it's just like record <laughs> scratch because they're yeah so that's funny yeah anyways shall uh but yeah so trust yeah, I, I, and maybe folks out there think this is um, too much, too odd of a topic, or they don't think it up. And, and I, Sean, I could have stumble fumbled our way through this as we have done in the past. So let us know what you think. And I apologize for my audio problems earlier. Sorry, we'll, we'll but anyway, it together. Thank you, I appreciate it, Sean. We had all that. We did all that hard work at the beginning. And <laughs> you know, there's like people are like, "Hey, Brett's getting choppy," and I'm looking at stuff. I'm like, I cannot control anything on the Brett side. Like everything's fine, I think. <laughs> as soon as you said "Hey," and I got it, your internet connection's unstable. I'm like, ah, frack. Yeah. It's all right. Anyway, all let's let's move on to let's move on to driver. Let us know what you all think. Obviously, we we want to hear. Yeah, we got smart folks out there. Tell us what you're tell us what you're noodling on. Die roll two d four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery. Small list this week. Brett put in the first one. Yep. Matt Coville's trusted Earth Elementals, which was uh, a little bit of inspiration on on this episode. Uh, Encounter Library YouTube channel. I'm I'm dinking around with Foundry. Encounter Library has some very good videos on how to set it up and how to do things. I've learned a lot. So thanks to Encounter Library for doing all that. And if you are exploring Foundry, definitely recommend his YouTube channel. And then the last link is to... I thought I posted this. Maybe I didn't. Foundry Virtual Tabletop. I don't know. I was struggling to find up that stuff. I threw that one out there oh. because I wanted to make sure we brought up in the beginning. So gotcha. I just tacked that one out there. So... Yeah, so that's it. Uh, and then probably the last one, if you're living under a rock and don't know, uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden's been released. I, I, you know, Brett is going to run that. You're going to run it by the book, Brett? I think so. I, I'm really I'm really interested. I want to run a published adventure. Okay. And this is like in the sweet spot for like levels too. It's like levels 1 through 10, level yeah. 1 through 12 type of thing. It's not like up to 20 or 15. It's in the sweet zone for me. So part of me I'm I'm really excited about it, which is why I dumped which is why I dumped the money on the on the platinum version because I wanted to get my hands on it. Part of me wants to run it in parallel with Brett so we could compare notes. Not a bad idea, man, actually. Or, or even get a group of DMs that want to run it. And, and can kick it off within like a week or two or three of each other and just compare notes. I don't know. Set it up on Discord. People can rap about how how everybody's approach. Get, to, get together. What the hell did they do the Albert? <laughs> I don't know what they did. Jesus. They have Albert pets now. Why do they have Albert pets? Who let them do that? That was terrible. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. Anyway. I already committed to Curse of Strahd, so I can't change gears with those guys. But maybe, I don't know, if I do another group. Sure you can. Sure you I, can. I, Surprise, I guys. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, we're going to start in Eberron, and you're going to head north into the ice. Yeah. <laughs> going towards a place called Icewind Dale. All right. Brett, what are we talking about next week, man? Jimmy for cash? Uh-oh. One of our listeners brought that one up. I'm like, oh, my. That is a topic Sean and I have talked about before as far as, like, should we talk about that? I don't know if anybody cares. And then somebody brought it up. So there we are next week. I... And I'm I'm going to point out how you can become a professional dungeon master. Well, let's see how it goes. Cool, man. Save it for the show. Yeah. That was one of the that was one of the uh, questions in the roll twenty survey I took. Mm-hmm. It was in there. Like, hey, did you have you considered becoming a GMing for cash? GMing for cash, or like being a professional. Anyways, hey. 
This has been an episode of Gaming and Best. Thanks for everybody that's tuning in. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for, for listening to us and tuning in and everything and all your help. We appreciate it and all the support. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game roll. This episode of Gaming NBS brought to you with the help from the following producers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Old School DM, Jason Hobbs, Andy Hall, Roger Braslett, Chris Steele, Larry Hout, Eric Frankhouse, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Stefan Dragonspawn, Mark Tasaka, Pure Mongrel, C.W. Mellencamps, Dan LaValley, Craig Huber, Ron Bishop, Old School Scouser Roleplaying, Jim Fitzpatrick, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Jeff Seifert, Angus, Eric Salzwedo, George Sedgwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Perry Besor, Eric Avia, Andy Olson, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Niall Diamond, Jeff Goad, Brian Rumble, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Eric Tavola, Who's Carl? Mark Soam, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, Curtis Hinson, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Jason Weeb, Dollar Adventure Frameworks, Phil McClory, Jay Plata, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, Obscurus Dominus, Chad Gleyman, Josh Wallace, Adam Grotejohn, Ed Nyes, Michael Dinos, Brett Pazinski, Corey Welch, Merkel Froelich, Rich Wishan, Joe Swick, and Tur- Curtis Takahashi and Aaron Ralia. Hey, thanks for your support. It's been six years since we dropped episode one. Thanks for being along for the ride. If you know somebody that might like our podcast, let them know about it. Thanks, BSers. This, this has, has been, been a Litterbox, Litterbox Studio production. production.